Hi guys and welcome to our very first podcast uh, with Shafida and Wuka and we've got our lovely guest today, uh, Adiba Jeffrey. Um, so I'll just hand over. Yeah, so um, thank you very much for joining us today, um, Adiba. It's so kind of you. I know it was really on, on short notice as well. So thank you for taking the time out, first of all. I know you're very welcome and I'm absolutely honoured to be on your podcast. So thank awesome. you. Thank you. That's really kind. Um, that's really kind. And I remember, um, Shishaf, you came across Adiba on Instagram, didn't you? Yeah. So can you tell us a bit about how, how that developed and how did you, how we ended up here with the live podcast so quickly? Um, well, so basically, um, I think it's Eva, let's learn Baba. She, um, uh, I just saw a couple of uh, sort of posts and then um, I, I went into your account and then I started reading up and I was just like, oh, Adiba looks very interesting. We need to have her on our, <laughs> on our podcast. And that's kind of how it sort of developed. <laughs> Yeah, Adiba, please tell us a bit about yourself. Um, okay, so Jen, I'm, I am a, a writer and a teacher from New York. I was born and raised in New York, and um, I um, studied political science and history at uh, Barnard College at Columbia University. I got married when I was in college, um, and then after I graduated, I had four children. Um, <laughs> And um, around Isn't the time when my daughter was about six or seven years old, we, we moved to Doha. So I've been sort of living that expat life for the last, I think, 12 years. And it's been a really good experience. So. Um, can I ask what sort, of, uh, what, what sort of prompted you for the move? Because it's a big move, isn't it? It's, it's financial, I guess you could say. It's just my husband, he got a really great job offer here, so. Um, and, it, and we were really happy that it was in a Middle Eastern country. We were just really happy to have the experience. We actually thought it was only going to be a two-year contract. And I think most people who move abroad, they just assume that it's going to be one or two years. Sometimes it is, but in our case, Alhamdulillah, it just kind of kept on going on to the extent that whenever we would go back to New York, everyone's like, are you still there? We're, like, yeah, we're still here. So it's, it's been an interesting experience, Alhamdulillah. It's, it's wonderful though, I will say that. Living in a country where it's absolutely normal to be Muslim, yeah. I, I wouldn't exchange that for anything. Oh, that sounds beautiful, doesn't it? Oh, I, I love yeah. that, where yeah. it sounds normal to be a Muslim. Oh gosh, yes. yeah, I remember um, um, sort of going to Saudi, um, you know, doing Umrah and uh, that same feeling that like, oh my gosh, everyone looks like me and everyone's dressed like me. And, yeah, is, it's, yeah, it's, it's a very yeah. different feeling. Yeah, it's definitely. a very different feeling. So, so it's, totally, it's very different when, during Ramadan, just just going to the masjid anytime. It's just it's really normal for people to just blur put on out the yeah. window. It's, it's it or to see people just praying on the side. And yeah. so, Alhamdulillah, that's been a really positive experience for us. Well, that's really nice to know because we've had a few friends that have gone and then come back, but they all say that, don't they? We wish we'd stayed, um, especially within the teaching sector. So quite a few teachers that have yeah gone to Saudi Arabia, wasn't it, and then returned. Yeah. So um, that's really interesting. So. Um, in terms of um, life in Doha, you mentioned, obviously, you know, it's really nice to, to be there and you've found it a positive change and probably wouldn't consider going back now. Um, what, one of the things we often come across is, is a concern around like, how have you been away from family, I guess? Are, are most of your family based in New York or are they? Yeah, uh, most of my family is based in the States. Um, so my sisters are both in California. My parents are in New York. That's been hard. Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I only get that experience, I think, once a year to sort of go back and connect with my parents. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's definitely difficult. And I guess 
it was a bit easier for me to accept only because when I moved here, I did have a cousin that was here. Okay. So she sort of yeah. helped me got, get used to life here. Um, so that, alhamdulillah, I was just blessed with that, that I had some family that was here. And, um, and then, yeah, when she moved away, I think we just sort of got used to the whole routine. We really did think it was only going to be two or three years. I think that's also it. We're like, it's okay. We'll be back. But we weren't. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, um, when, so you went to Doha and then like you, uh, you started with, did you start away straight away teaching or um, how did you, because I know you sort of teach teens out there. How did that sort of progress? Well, I started teaching uh, Muslim teens when I was in New York, when my daughter started kindergarten. And for me, that was because I had a social studies teaching degree. I felt that that was the best way that, any, that as a mother, just as a parent, how you can contribute to your kid's education. Right. So that's something that that all parents like to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so the school that my daughter went to was called Hamza Academy at that time. And it was actually formed by a homeschooler. And um, so I felt really, really comfortable with that. And I felt comfortable with the staff because a lot of them were, were my friends. Yeah. Um, I liked that it was, it was really small scale, like to the extent that, that a lot, that it was, it was basically the, the basement of a masjid. And, um, and so a lot of the times the kids would just be sitting on the floor, you know, with just a simple whiteboard and it was a very old school. Um, but then at the same time, it was also progressive because you could have multi, even though you, you had, um, you know, you had a few different teachers, but, but some teachers would be teaching different subjects. And I really liked that because then they would sort of tailor the kids' education to whatever the teacher's strength was. Yeah. And so I, I really liked that approach. So we, she was there for a few years and then like all mustard schools, it fell apart. And then, oh. and, yeah, yeah. And then we, I did consider homeschooling for a bit. Um, and, um, and then we moved here. So it was a very short decision for us. Yeah. And, and now you're in Doha. Are you, are you still, are you teaching at all? Or are, are you? In Doha, yeah. Sorry, I completely forgot to answer that question. No, so I, <laughs> that's what I do. Um, when I was in that school for for I think three years, I, um, I I started teaching current events, and that really worked for me. It was just a class that was focused on current events and media studies for Muslim teens. Uh, then when I moved here, I um, saw that. Islamic studies here is very different than it is in Western countries. So here, hopefully I won't get in trouble for saying this, but um, <laughs> a lot you do, we have, we have to think about that. No, no, absolutely. Um, so when my daughter hit secondary, we, she was, so she was going to a British school when we got here. She um, got to an age where they said that Islamic studies is only available to national students. So even if you're a Muslim, you didn't have access to the Islamic studies courses. Also, those courses were only taught in Arabic. So when I tried to apply for an Islamic studies teaching position uh, at my daughter's school, they specifically said, do you speak Arabic? And I said, no. And they oh. said, okay. They said that because for them, those both yeah. went hand in hand. Yeah. And so then I just started doing it after school. And I yeah. started. So you adapted, basically. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I took the same approach that I 
did with the other schools, except now I had a lot more freedom. So I just started with, you know, the most basic studies, gathered literally five kids amongst two of them were my children. And then I just started <laughs> and my nephew. So it was a pretty small class. <laughs> and um, and alhamdulillah, it just grew and it grew and and it was a need. I think yeah. that's what yeah. propelled me is that it was a need. Yeah. And, How many kids um, have you got at the moment? Right now, the group is, well, now it's virtual, so I could take more students. So I have my regular group on Tuesday, and that is about 25 kids, and I'll be oh, lucky wow. if 10 of them log in. But um, they do log <laughs> in, actually. No, I'm just, they do. They do log in. They'll just forget. And, um, and then, alhamdulillah, now I, and then uh, because I, it's all virtual, so yeah. I was able to open the class to the public, and that's when I started putting up courses for oh, people wow. to register on. So I think that is that's inspiring actually. That's quite motivational in is that you've come across an obstacle there. You yeah. you you realize it's a problem and then it's not stopped you because a lot of us give up, don't we, when we come up against sometime challenges. Uh, yeah. um, and you've not done that. You've you've you you kind of put a solution into place and a practical solution as well. And that's that's really good. It's really nice to hear. Yeah, so you've got to a little seedling yeah. and then it's here to suffering and now it's a big plant with these virtual yeah. classes that you've got going on. That's yes, that I did not, I didn't even know that. I really did not know that that seed would grow. Yeah. There was a point in the last 12 years that I was teaching like three classes a week and, and it still wasn't enough. Yeah. Um, and then I, uh, by the time the kids got to, when, when a group would get to that age, like secondary, then I would split them into boys and girls. And so usually... I had just a really great community of, of sisters around me. And one of them would step up and say, hey, I'll teach the girls. And I was like, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to teach girls. So <laughs> I like, I'll stick with the teenage boys. And they were just, they were fun. I, I wanted to create an Islamic studies environment for children where they liked being Muslim. You know, when they get to that yeah, age when they're in their teens and it's like, oh, I'm Muslim, but you don't have to call me that. Um, <laughs> they, they really enjoyed coming. And I think that's what I, what I want. I didn't want anything serious. There were times when my husband would sort of walk in into like our little halakha of like me, like five foot one and surrounded by a bunch of teenage boys. And we're all just laughing. No idea <laughs> what we were laughing about. My husband's like, this is your halakha? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. We don't know what we're talking about, but for them to be able to come in, yeah. for somebody to be able to walk in and see a bunch of teenage boys, and they they're from different schools, they're from different backgrounds, and subhanallah, they're expats, they're all from different countries. Yeah, and for them to be able to ha sit in that setting and speak different languages and and still bond based on the fact that they're Muslim. Yeah. And knowing also that you might not see three or two or three of them in six months because yeah. their families might get a job somewhere else. Absolutely. But for them to have that experience meant the most to me. And I love how you've linked um, laughter there to the pursuit of like knowledge in Islam as well. That's beautiful. So it's become an experience that they and they're going to look back on this hopefully into the future as well. Um, yes. God, that's completely opposite to when we used to go to Madrasa. Oh, yeah, I'm oh, always gosh. telling my son. I'm always telling my son. I'm just like, do you know what used to happen to us when we used to go to mosque? Um, you know, oh, yeah, we, yeah. yeah that we used to get like, you know, obviously yeah, we weren't going to too much into it, but obviously we didn't have a very good time. Um, it was very sort of old house in it. Um, 
but yeah, I think, you know, it, it, things have really sort of come along now compared yeah. to how they used to be. And, you know, just seeing yeah. what you're doing, it just, it's so it's amazing. Yeah. It was just, it was miserable. The, the Islamic studies that I had, I, I can say it, it was so miserable. I just remember like, you know, losing my shoe at the last minute, just losing it because I didn't want to go. Um, I remember delaying so much because I just did not want to go. And then you would go and then, and then somebody was just being really just judgmental about something that you said or something that you did. And, and I, what I've noticed here with, especially with expats is that you was, now I've learned to assume that their Islamic education has been jilted because they've probably moved around. Mm -hmm. So now, you know how like, there are some Islamic students who, uh, and I've seen this among some kids that um, one child will say to another that, well, well, how much have you memorized? And then they'll make fun of them for that because chances are that child might have been stable in one place from kindergarten to a certain age. And they had that opportunity and that continuity. Mm -hmm. Whereas Mm -hmm. these children, because they've moved around all of a sudden, they're, they're 13, yeah. they don't even know like the most basic. I've had, I've had kids message me and say, you know, there's a prophet, I don't know anything about him. Can you teach that? Yeah. Something that like my kid probably learned when she was like four or five, but because they didn't have that education, they didn't have access to it. They were like, I've always wanted to learn about Prophet Musa. Can you just talk about him? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, why don't we just talk about Prophet Musa? You know, just, yeah just something I just wanted to give them that to be like if you walk away with just knowing one thing I'm okay with that I'm okay as long as you connect yourself with your religion with your deen and you don't it's not obviously at this age when they're 13 14 I'm like it's not through your parents anymore it's you and it's Allah and that's it so no, I've talked a lot. I'm like, so sorry. Yeah. No, that's just really that's that's beautiful to listen to actually, isn't it, Shaf? That's, wow. that's beautiful. I'm speechless. Yeah, it's really, <laughs> oh. it's, um, I, I um now we've mentioned you've you, you, you've got the teaching going on. I've got <laughs> the teaching going on and I've got the writing something. going on. Exactly the writing. She really is a jack yeah. of all trades. Tell us more about the writing. Uh, and master of none. Yeah, but uh, the writing, I started that when uh, Mariam was, so my daughter now, she's mashallah turning um, 21. And so when she was about two years old, there were just not that many Islamic studies. No, there was not that much Islamic material. I think they had these like really standard paperback books, which were like, Ali bin Abi Talib, or like, you know, it was like really just basic books. And I was like, this is just not fun to read. (laughs) So... (laughs) I was like, I can't read this. I mean, it's fine. It's really nice. It's educational. It's, it's informative. It's just really boring. Yeah. And so I was trying to find books for her. And, and then I was expecting with number two. And I thought, oh, gosh, I really would like a book yeah. that would just explain to my daughter where babies come from. Just really simple. Babies come from Allah. But I just need a book. Yeah. And I wrote that book. And I oh, amazing! And I also, yeah, I wrote that one. So that one's called Baby Garden. Um, and then I also wrote one after that, which was also inspired by my daughter, which was, which answered the question that why does mama wear hijab? Um, and then the third book I wrote was, was a poem and it was about nature because I love nature at that time. Now I don't, but um, it was just a really, really nice. It, so I put those three books one by one, I think over the course of a year, two yeah. years, 
And I sent them one by one to Goodword Books, which at that time was really churning out uh, a lot of Islamic books. And I think they had sort of gotten the hand of, of making really nice illustrated books for children. And they had yeah. a really yeah. strong market at that time. So they accepted the books and then, and then I walked away from writing for like 15 years. <laughs> So I did write. Yeah, so what, what, uh, why was that such a, like, obviously, you know, you've published all these books and then you stopped, can I ask why? Just stopped writing. I was like, you guys, I was watching four little kids. <laughs> you, you know what, we, we, were, we were discussing this before, like this gap, and we were thinking, you know, I bet it was the kids. <laughs> it was the kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was it. It was just, that's. Anything good and bad, it's usually from the kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. They, um, they, uh, yeah, it was just a matter of raising them, trying to put all the attention into them. I, I love how your books are um, rooted in reality, as in they're rooted in your own personal um, experiences. And I think that will definitely come across to people that probably pick them up and read them. I mean, you've mentioned um, the, the three of them. So the babe, I love the titles as well, the babe, baby garden. I love that. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, how, how do people get hold of your books if they're, if they're wanting to? Because obviously we're in the UK, you're in Doha. I don't know if you were in, were you in the US when you wrote these? I, I, I'm trying to, I was, still... but those, so those three children's books, um, they went out of print. And so oh, okay. I have been able to get in touch with people who were like, oh my God, we didn't know that was you. And, but unless somebody actually contacts the publishing company, which I've tried to do, yeah. unfortunately, many times, to say, can I please have my material back? Can I yeah. please reprint yeah. it under my own name? Yeah, yeah. They haven't really responded. So, um, so those three books, I they I think they are available here and there if they're individual sellers, which you might just have to Google. Right. Um, and then the other that's... two books are coming out this year. Yay! Cool. Yeah. Back in action. <laughs> Tell us a bit more about what you're what you're planning to write this year, or what, what the projects this year then in terms of those two books. Yeah, sure. So the first book, um, it's called A Zoom with a View, and it was inspired by watching my children struggle with virtual learning. Yeah. And um, so I wrote, I wrote a, just, first I started off as a poem, and then it just sort of expanded into a proper book. And, um, and then I used different animals um, to show just these different hysterical situations where the kids are just struggling with with the virtual learning but um but it's 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 gonna be it's it's really funny um even like when I look at the book I'm like this is so funny so I <laughs> what I've done is that uh it, it will be published actually through markings publishing and they are alhamdulillah on track to get the book out um, on, on the market, uh, mostly in Pakistan, but they said that they would put it on Amazon as well. Um, it'll be yeah. accessible all over the place, inshallah. Yeah. So yes, I would love it if you guys would purchase that book. Yeah, um, that book will be available, inshallah, before Eid. Oh, wow, that's pretty soon, and, isn't it? Yeah, so that's pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. And what yes. about the other one? You've got another, uh, another one, haven't you? Show up? Yeah, Show Yourself is Sorry, a... Show yourself. Um, yeah, so that is a YA novel that I started writing right before quarantine began. Not quarantine, sorry, lockdown. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually had spoken to my younger sister and she was mentioning that Michelle, her daughter's turn was turning nine and she's like, oh, I really wish that there was more material for her where you would just have a, a book that's not necessarily Islamic, but just has Muslim characters. Mm 
Yeah. And so you do see yeah. those popping up here and there. Yeah. Like my, my children had mentioned that some of the new Reorder books, they'll have like that occasional Muslim character. Mm -hmm. But so she was saying that, you know, she would she would have liked to see that. So yeah. that's I, I started from there. I started from a character named Lena, who's after yeah. my niece, who loves to play basketball. And then I just worked from there. And then I started extracting different um, experiences that I've had with raising a teenage daughter, experiences from watch from from walking the halls of my children's uh, school as a substitute teacher, um, just experiences of just working with the Muslim teens here. I think that all sort of came together yeah. into a book and, and it does, um, it basically opens up the conversation for mental health awareness um, for Muslim teens and tweens. And I thought that was important because I'm not a professional. Um, I don't work, I don't specifically work with students that have mental health issues, but I, I know yeah. I, I've seen it, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I see what you mean, yeah, yeah. Right, and so the whole book revolves around us as Muslims being able, having just the knowledge to see that, mm -hmm. to be able to recognize signs. We not, we don't, might not, we're not um, experienced enough to like help them necessarily or to, to know what to do, but to be able to recognize when cases exist, that yeah. is the yeah. premise of the book. Yeah. So. Yeah. Very interesting. That's really good. And I think it's really relevant as well for these times, especially with the pandemic, with what's going through. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, I mean, uh, Diva, you, you, you uh, just that's so much, isn't it? I, I'm like, yes, this, this is what happens when the, this is. I'm, I'm guessing this is what's going to happen with Shaf when the kids grow up. <laughs> we all have to keep ourselves busy, don't we? Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really so, um, and um, you know, the the second book you mentioned one's coming out before um, Eid. Inshallah, that's the plan. When are you hoping for Show Yourself to, to be published? That is, it already has the date, so that will definitely be out, Inshallah, by July 15. It's published by a UK company, okay. um, and that will be available everywhere, Inshallah. Just, because we don't, we don't want to keep you for too long, Adi, but just quick, any tips for the budding writers out there among uh, the listeners today? Number one is just to read. Read anything, read everything. Just, just read. Uh, that's one thing. And the other tip that I would have is to jot stuff down. Like when you have an idea, I had a notebook um, and I keep a notebook in my bag and, and I have my notes on my phone. And and when and my kids, I like to drive them insane when I have an idea and it doesn't make any sense, yeah. but it might just be a character. It might just be a situation. And I drive them, I drive them insane when like I'm driving and I pull the car over on the side. And they're like, <laughs> what are you doing? But I have an idea. Just give me a minute. <laughs> take out my phone <laughs> they're just like oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. yeah one is to just yeah, yeah. read and the yeah. second is write but you don't have to write as in you know sitting down and like yeah. spitting out an entire novel in one set yeah. if you just have an idea I, and that's actually what happened to me is that I um I did have ideas that I've been writing them down yeah. So I know that I said that I, in the 15 years, like it was a bit of a hiatus. I was jotting stuff down. And yeah. I think it took a pandemic for me to sit down, open up my laptop and find all of those notes and be like, hey, that was actually a good idea. And it's yeah, yeah. kind of relevant. Or I'll take that idea and make it relevant for now. Yeah. So I knew that I wanted to write an animal, a book that had animals in it. Mm. I, I used it for this Zoom book. Yeah, so, that's so, yeah. really interesting, isn't it? To be to, to write stuff. I mean, it sounds like such a simple thing, but something that we often miss. Like I, I will do the same thing. Like, 
driving the car somewhere, come back from work, going to work, and you think, oh wow, I need to remember to do that, and then it's gone. Yeah, it's just gone. How, yeah, how you got the, the the you kind of stop yourself in that moment of time and make note of that thought. Um, mm-hmm. That's really cool. It kind of really leads into reflection and being mindful enough to do that as well, actually. So awesome. Uh, so uh, Adiba, like I said, thank you, thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us. Really thank you so much really, for inviting me. It was really interesting. Absolutely, it was so nice to get to know you more as well. And uh, so your um, inst- your Instagram channel is um, uh, it's Adi- Adiba Jeffrey underscore official, Adi- I think. Yep. So, yes, okay. with the underscore official. Yeah, we'll tag it into the uh, onto the podcasts and everything. So yeah, yeah, and everybody, yeah, keep a lookout for those books. Any any final messages before we before we go for, for anyone out there? No, I know, yeah. but just thank you so much. I'm really sorry for the delay, and oh, it's um, really totally I appreciate your time and okay. and um and Mashallah, I'm just I'm really honored to meet both of you. Oh, so thank, oh, you, thank so you so much. You, you take care. Chats into the future as well. Yeah, okay. I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll have you back. <laughs> so, 